Hello, and welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, and I'm here today with Mike Fogel, who currently serves as the Director of Safety and Security with Austin FC and Q2 Stadium, a position which he has held since October of 2020. In this role, Mike oversees all physical security, event security, and 24-hour security for the first professional sports stadium in Austin, Texas, as well as the St. David's Performance Center. Additionally, Mike is tasked with coordinating with the City of Austin on the management of the public safety services, including police, fire, rescue, medical, and EOD, and HAZMAT. Prior to joining Austin FC, Mike was the security manager at AT&T Stadium and the Dallas Cowboys, where he had a very similar role for one of the premier facilities in all of professional sports. Mike, welcome to the OnTick Protective Intelligence Podcast. Hey, Fred. Thanks for having me on today. Mike, how did you get into the security business? Oh, well, I graduated from Florida State University in uh, December of 2010. Uh, We were just coming off of a recession, and I graduated with a degree in applied economics. Uh, And I realized very quickly that I didn't want to sit behind a desk and crunch numbers all day. So um, I was always a big sports fan and just wanted to get into sports any way that I could. Um, And I got an opening uh, with a crowd management security company. Uh, called Contemporary Services Corporation in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I, I started working for, you know, low wages, working long hours, um, and just kind of fell in love with the sports, you know, entertainment industry. Um, didn't think that I wanted to be in security long term, but you know how it goes. You just kind of continue to, you know, climb the ranks and work hard and opportunities, you know, become afforded to you. So I'm very fortunate, you know, that I got my start when I did and um, was able to move to a number of different cities and work at a number of different venues, um, which eventually brought me here to Austin. And it's a very unique kind of space. I know, Mike, I ran uh, protective intelligence operations for the Olympics in Atlanta. And of course, everything was fine until the bomb went off. But uh, uh, as you sit around and start planning for your events, how does that impact your crisis management planning? It's always the unknown. Um, I mean, when we building a stadium here, 20,500 seat venue, you know, you think you plan for everything. And then we introduce, you know, 20,500 human beings into the building. Um, and you start really learning how things behave and, and how the neighborhoods around you react to the events that you're doing. Um, you know, we, we rely a lot on our local public safety partners, um, you know, for insight and support. Um, they're very involved in our meetings, have been for a number of years. Um, so it's, it's a really collaborative effort. 
um, with a lot of very, very intelligent people. Um, and we try to hope that we do everything we can to make sure that the folks that come out to our stadium feel safe and, um, and that we're doing everything we can, you know, to, to put out a great product and make sure that everyone has, has a great time when they come out. Mike, how has COVID impacted your operations? COVID has, it's done some good things and some bad things. Um, the obvious bad things, um, you know, we, we went on a, a hiring freeze for quite a little while there um, with some uncertainty with the Major League Soccer schedule. That was kind of uh, a big challenge there, not knowing when the season was going to start, um, you know, whether or not we're going to bring on certain director positions, event uh, manager positions, coordinator positions, those types of things. But then once we got the green light from Major League Soccer, when we knew when the season was going to start, um, I'd say that the most difficult part to this point has just been getting the workforce to come back to work um, on a part-time basis. So, you know, when, when you do event security, you're not relying on, you know, full-time salaried police officers and, and folks like that to run security at your events. These are these are part-time folks that are working maybe 10, 15 hours a week at your venue. Um, oftentimes, they work at multiple different venues. Um, and, and that's been a tough, uh, tough piece of this is getting that labor force to come back and feel comfortable with working events with thousands and thousands of people as we're still navigating through a pandemic. And I would imagine the challenges for uh, a venue like yours. I mean, let's face it, uh, we're headquartered in Austin, Texas, too. And and this is a big deal. You know, the professional soccer team here and the publicity and the notoriety. And uh, I'm sure you have your fair share of celebrities and VIPs that are consistently attending these events. Oh, yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of eyes on us here in Austin being the first professional sports franchise here in the city um, comes with a, a great deal of responsibility to, you know, showcase to the world what Austin's all about. Um, you know, you, of course, you have University of Texas and, and some of the other venues around here, um, but we're unique in the fact that the entire city can rally around this club and, and this building. Um, and we get to showcase that to the city and, and to the world. But yeah, there's, there's no shortage of, you know, who's who's coming in and, and uh, wanting to see what we're all about here. Do you have a fair amount of uh, stalkers either looking at some of your professional athletes or uh, is the threats like drag to your venues or from just a threat assessment perspective, you know, what really keeps you up at night as it pertains to things like that? You know, it's, I, I would imagine as we continue to grow our roster and grow our club and grow our fame, you know, I think those things will come. Um, you see some major league soccer clubs around the country have, you know, really high profile international, uh, level players. We, we've got some great talent on our roster. Um, nobody that really moves the needle internationally from a threat perspective, I would say. Um, but, you know, club goes out and signs a, a Lionel Messi or a, you know, a, a talent like that. It brings a whole nother different, um, perspective to to your threat assessment level yeah no doubt no doubt uh i used to worry about those kinds of things at the special events that i work just from an intel perspective you just you know you're you're always worried about your intelligence gaps and what you don't know 
Absolutely. And we try to, you know, you try to control what you can control and try to gather all the information and, and do all the planning that you can um, on the front end. But there's, you know, as you know, Fred, there, there's certain things that you just can't, can't plan for and can't predict, but we try to do the best we can with the intelligence that we're given. Um, great re relationships and resources here in Austin from a public safety standpoint. Can't say enough about the things that, that those folks do for us here make my job a little bit easier and allow us to be a little bit more efficient from that standpoint. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, no doubt. Now, unruly fans come with the territory. And, uh, you know, how is that handled just from a practical standpoint? As, as you and I both know, uh, with uh, the eyes on whatever incident that's unfolding and all the people that are around these kinds of incidents, how do you process that or how do, what's your guidance to your staff on how to deal with some of these uh, uh, unruly fans as, as they start to, you know, carry out their antics? You know, at the end of the day, we want everybody to enjoy the match, enjoy the event that they paid, you know, quite a lot of money to come out and see. Um, you know, there's always one or two folks that want to ruin it for the rest. So it's... Um, it's something that we're always going to have to deal with. Again, when you bring 20,000 people into a venue, not everyone's going to get along. Not everyone's rooting for the same club. Um, you know, we rely on a lot of our, you know, technology um, to aid us in trying to get to the bottom of what's going on out in the venue. Um, you know, we've got some pretty high tech cameras here in the stadium. Um, and then, you know, we rely on a lot of the human element. Um, you know, we have a text assist program here at the stadium where somebody in the building can text uh, a number and it goes directly to someone in our command post and we're able to dispatch and and uh, track incidents that way as well so we, we look to empower the people that are around out in the stadium to kind of help and assist us in you know dealing with some of these unruly fans um, you know as I mentioned at the end of the day we want everybody to be here enjoy the event um, but sometimes it does you know some folks take it a little too far and you know, it, it, unfortunately, sometimes their night has to end. Um, you know, we've had to deal with a couple of folks here at the stadium since we opened, and they won't be the last ones, but it's, it's definitely not our goal from the outset is to, you know, remove folks from the stadium. We want everyone to enjoy the event, enjoy the atmosphere, um, do it respectfully um, for the folks that are around them. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about Ontech's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. This is why we created the Ontech Center for Protective Intelligence. We're regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. Mike, in the sports protection business, how has technology changed? Wow, technology has it continues to change. Um, just to kind of give you an example, I've been in the industry for a little over a decade now, started in 2011. 
Um, and I started with the Georgia Dome working Atlanta Falcons football games. And back when I started, we were just doing bag searches out at the gate. Um, that was it. We, we searched bags for people that came in the stadium. There was no metal detection. Um, there was nothing of that kind. And then the NFL decided that we were going to go to pat down. So we, we literally patted down every single human being that came into the stadium. And then from there, we went to hand wands. And we started, you know, handheld metal detection wands for everyone that came in the stadium, along with the bag searches. And then from there, we went to walk-through metal detectors, which is where we're at now at Q2 Stadium. We have we have walk-through metal detectors, but not every not every venue in Major League Soccer has walk-through metal detectors. Not every venue has the resources to be able to, you know, spend that kind of money on metal detection. You know, there's still colleges and universities out there that don't do any kind of metal detection when you come out to their events. So, you know, the, the technology is evolving, but it also is, is up to the leadership at those venues and at those, you know, institutions to, you know, kind of evolve their budgets with the time. Um, you know, and, and now here we stand in 2021 and there's a new wave of, you know, metal detection, um, that's coming out that's, you know, completely frictionless and, um, you know, where you don't have to take things out of your pockets. You don't have to take bags off and, it, you know, the, the devices just screen you as you walk through. So, you know, technology has really evolved, you know, in the last decade. And, and I can only imagine where it's going in the next three to five years. Um, you know, I, I really see it being a, a streamlined, efficient, frictionless entry for guests to come to venues. Um, you know, privacy is a big concern. People don't want to feel violated. And, you know, some of the things that are, are coming out technology-wise are aided by this pandemic. People don't want people's hands going through their bags. People don't want to be touched when they come through. People don't want their ticket to be scanned um, by another human being. They want to do all this stuff on their own. So, you know, technology is really, you know, taking this pandemic and kind of capitalizing on it through the devices that they're putting out. And I, that's really kind of where I see the future of at least how we process folks out at the stadium through the gates. Where do you see sports event security evolving over the next, let's say, one to three years? You know, aside from, you know, the things that I just mentioned, you know, I think right now the the obvious position that a lot of ourselves find ourselves in is is that labor force and, and trying to get those folks to come out to work. Um, and so whether it's, you know, some type of shift on, on how we're, how we're hiring, how we're training, how we're, you know, onboarding folks and, and getting them comfortable here at our stadiums when they're only going to be here maybe once a week, um, it's a challenge. So that that's something that, you know, some of the machines that are being used right now to bring people in through the stadium, these metal detection devices are are really going to reduce the burden that we have on the labor side. So where it may take two to three people to operate a metal detector, you know, these machines are taking one machine is overtaking 10 metal detectors. So that's 20, 30 people that are now being operated by four to six people with one machine. So Trying to be more efficient with the labor uh, pool that we have is it, something that I can see kind of trending. Mike, do you get a lot of support from uh, 
major league soccer headquarters or is each individual franchise pretty much on their own to run their own operation? That's a great question. And, and Major League Soccer has come a long, long way. And, and we do get a, a ton of support from Major League Soccer. Um, Jeff Stonebreakers, their senior uh, vice president of safety and security. And Jeff's done a tremendous job of building his team. Um, and we do monthly calls with them. Uh, they send folks out here. We have a soccer security agent program where the league actually pays for one of their own. Um, it's usually a, a local, either retired or current law enforcement official. Um, and the league pays for this person to essentially be ingrained in our operation on event days. Um, we use them as a resource, um, uh, when we're talking to other clubs and trying to see what other venues are doing, um, to try to develop some best practices. So the league has done a tremendous job on trying to share as much knowledge as they have and also to keep consistency throughout all the clubs. It's also really helpful as, as the league is involved in a number of different tournaments and things. We have uh, the Gold Cup semifinals coming out to our stadium July 29th, um, and Major League Soccer is very involved in that from an operational perspective. So that event will feel very similar to another Major League Soccer event that we do here at Q2 Stadium. So they, they do a really good job at just um, – sharing the knowledge and, and being transparent on things that are happening across the country. So yeah, they, we get a tremendous amount of support from the league office. Do, does all the security directors from all the clubs like get together every year and kind of plan? And, you know, I'm thinking about, for example, the horrific event that recently occurred outside of uh, the Washington Nationals baseball stadium with the, the drive-by shooting or the shootout outside the stadium, which created, uh, you know, the chaos inside the stadium. Uh, so are those kinds of things like dissected nationally and, and evaluated as it comes to just protection of your locations? Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, to answer your first question, yeah, we do a uh, safety and security uh, conference each year annually last year um, or this past year, I'm sorry, we did it remotely obviously with, with COVID-19 and the pandemic ongoing. Um, but those are topics that are, that are definitely addressed. Um, oftentimes we're, we're able to get folks that were directly involved in those incidents and situations and, and they share with us their stories and, and kind of give us a debrief on what, you know, what happened and what they were able to gather intelligence wise on the front end and the back end, you know, anytime an incident, a major incident like that happens at one of our, one of our venues around the country, you know, the, the first thing that happens is, you know, we start talking amongst ourselves on, on what our plans are. What do we do if, you know, an active shooter happens outside the building, inside the building, depending on what side of the building it's on, you know, it's all part of our plans. But when unfortunately something like that happens, it, you know, it lends credence to why you need to spend the time on these plans and why you need to rehearse and train them and, and make sure your part-time staff that again, are not as invested as someone like you or myself may be in our operation. Um, but how do we, how do we give them the tools to be successful when dealing with a situation like that? Well, on a lighter note, uh, Mike, you have one of those kinds of jobs that I'm sure there's no shortage of neighbors, friends, family members that are always hitting you up for 
tickets or whatever. So how can I get myself added to that list? <laughs> you know, it is, it's great to be part of a venue that the demand for tickets is so strong right now that um, I can't even give tickets to friends and family members because there's just no tickets to give out. It's, it's amazing. We were afforded, you know, such a great opportunity to be placed here in the city of Austin and the city has responded so well to the club and, and everything we're doing from an organization. But then also, you know, we were, we were coming off a pandemic where there was this pent up demand for people to go to events. So it kind of met at the, the perfect time where we're coming off a pandemic and we're launching this, this brand new club and this beautiful new stadium right at the same time. And it was kind of just this perfect storm of demand and excitement. Um, you know, definitely if you get the chance to come out to an event at Q2 stadium, you'll feel the atmosphere, you'll feel the energy from our supporter section. And it's, it's, uh, I saw somebody come out online the other day and say, it's, it's the best party in Austin. And it really is. It's, a great atmosphere and and our supporters kind of lead that from the beginning and then our club does the work on the field it's just a really special place well i can say this you are a, an amazing ambassador for uh the austin fc and for the industry and i want to thank you mike for being on the ontic protective intelligence podcast thanks fred i really appreciate you having me on today This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.